time for the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. Um, it's good to be with you. I'm Jason O'Dell. I'm Rick Walker. And uh, we're going to, as always, talk about our personal passion, which is photography and digital artwork and that kind of stuff. And today, um, anything new we want to get to before well, we jump into things? I think we're going to, we'll talk about a few recent announcements that were kind of interesting. Okay. And then we'll get into our main topic, which is kind of driven by something that you can talk about, but it's, it's you know, just talking about how to help someone start out today in digital photography, which is a bit different than it was a few years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, some things have changed. And, and just about some of the typical things that both of us go through with people starting out, because we both have those discussions fairly often. And, and there's you know, some what big we questions out, there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, how do you get them started in the right way so that they don't burn out or get frustrated or right. just not produce stuff that they like, you know? So I think it'll be good. I well, talk about announcements well, so. first. Yeah. Why don't we, why don't you uh, tell us what's new, Rick? Well, I'll mention one thing and it's um, more of a firmware update, but I've talked a little bit about some of the Fuji stuff with subject recognition that they've added and the xh2s camera which is the one i was using at the air show that we photographed a little while ago it's a very nice camera got a significant firmware update um, definitely improved the autofocus system in terms of subject detection and regular tracking and some other things so it was a pretty substantive one and i'll just simply say i got a chance to thrash on it a few days ago at the zoo and it seems to be working really well. So, you know, most animal and bird recognition stuff was working at a level that was really quite decent. And there is no perfect system out there, as you know, from mm -hmm. your own experiences, too. So what I saw, at least superficially, had it working pretty darn well and, and up with the others. You know, it was a little bit below the others before. And now I think it's, it's really pretty darn good. That's great. So it was nice, nice update. Solid thing. Like um, we talked about a few weeks ago, we we like <laughs> strong firmware update programs from yeah. companies. We also like it when the company notifies you that there's one pending or, yeah. or out. Yeah. <laughs> so it's always good that they check both boxes for you that time. Um, the the most recent announcement that I saw, and maybe we'll talk about this in a different context in a couple of weeks after we've had mm -hmm. time to digest it, is a new Sony Zoom. Mm -hmm. For their, for their, I believe it's E mount, right? That's right. Okay, and so that's a twenty to seventy millimeter f four, which is a, an interesting idea, because um, it's a different. The, the traditional is twenty four to seventy. That tends to be the traditional lens in that. So mm -hmm. rather than making it longer, they've gone on the wider side with yeah. 20 millimeters. So that's different. That's that's uh, an interesting thing. And yeah. I'm looking at a picture of the lens that looks to be one of those solid G lenses with the aperture ring on it and, you know, zoom and focus ring, all kinds of stuff. So from, from everything I've seen, it's a very good lens optically. And like you were applying the size and weight is nice. Um, it, it's a very reasonable, you know, fairly lightweight lens. Um, I, I, it gets into an interesting question, which is, 
if you were you know comparing it against a 2470 is your inclination to want something that's a bit longer like up to 105 or 120 or is your inclination to go wider and obviously you can always switch lenses but the real question is what can you do without switching lenses because sometimes it's a bit of a pain to do that or the mm -hmm. wrong environment i think it um, just comes down to your style of shooting of course but, yeah but it's a good question and then the other question would be you know do you add this to your existing bag or do you do you sell you know would it replace one in your kit or would it just be added to your kit um, i think the simplest thing is for people starting out you know it's they they have or had it's probably had at this point a 24 to 70 f4 lens it was an old one Mm -hmm. that came out with some of the original mirrorless cameras and quite honestly it was not a very good lens i owned one for a few years and especially at 24 millimeters it was just frankly awful once you got out of the middle and you, all the stopping down the world didn't fix it so wow. this is a much better lens optically from what i've seen um but if you were you know wanting something that was pretty light and compact like a typical 24 70 f4 this does have the advantage of getting you into the ultra wide realm potentially as far as a lot of people really need mm -hmm. you know so if you, you know so if you look at it from the standpoint of it's like a 2470 kit lens that'll get down a little bit wider that's kind of cool you just have to ask yourself is that the direction that you would like to go out of the 2470 range or do you want to go longer yeah, those are good questions. I yeah, mean, yeah, and and then there's the no also right or wrong the, answer. Yeah, the elephant in the room. It's it's a almost eleven hundred dollar price tag on this sucker. Right. So it's not inexpensive. This is a, you know, chances are, um, I, I I remember when I was starting out though, you know, the widest thing I had was twenty eight. Um, mm -hmm. You know, with those zooms at the time, this was in the, well, this is when I, I wasn't starting out. I was getting back into things after a hiatus but i mean 20 at one point was considered pretty darn wide oh my gosh i mean yeah. that was a wide angle lens and and frankly for a lot of people that's for a lot of kinds of shooting that might be as wide as you'd ever need you know it's only recently we've got into and i say recently but you know these you know 17 to 35 was the widest typically and then we got 16 right. and now you've got things as wide as 14 um and those are tough to use. Twenty is a pretty darn wide focal length. So I could see I could see people who shoot a lot of uh, street travel kinds of photography mm -hmm. being potentially interested in a, in a lens that gets you to twenty. Because for us right now, typically it means switching to a different lens to go wider right. than twenty four. Um, and there are times where you need wider than twenty four, especially inside of buildings and stuff like that. Yeah. So. It's it's an interesting thing because it's it's a um, it's a different focal length range than what we are used to seeing, and I I welcome that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it's something different. It's great because not everyone is the same. I think no, I would have probably lean more toward the twenty four to one hundred five kind of solution, but you know, for certain shoots and days of the week, twenty to seventy might be nice. Any rate, it all just depends on your kit. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, no other major announcements other than upgraded. I saw the upgraded uh, Apple MacBook chips, so they're going to be coming out with the M2s in the 
14 and 16 inch laptops you can you can really provision those guys now so if you if yeah. you're if you're into high-end laptops i think you can go all the way up to 96 gigs of of memory Ooh, on one of the top it, I mean, it requires good. a lot of upgrades to the necessary chipset you know yeah. you'll be talking about very quickly a four thousand dollar configuration but it's there it's yeah. uh it's it's interesting um so that's switching just... over to our, our main topic yeah helping someone else out when they're wanting to get into quote more serious photography what have you found is one of the first things that you talk to people about when they bring that up to you well it usually goes something like this people know that i do photography or that i'm a mm-hmm. photographer and they will almost invariably come to me email or whatever friends of mine hey i i think i need to get a real camera what do you recommend? Mm-hmm. Is, and, and that is the worst possible question to answer. Um, and that, that, that's that been going on forever. And, and I think I asked them, and the first thing you should ask yourself if you're thinking about getting started in, the, in this as a hobby or otherwise, is why do you need a camera? Uh, what is your rationale for wanting, quote unquote, a real camera? As opposed uh, to a phone these uh, days. Right. Because, you know, you, usually, and we've talked about it in the past, um, sometimes the answer is pretty easy. Sometimes the answer is my kid's in soccer now and I want to actually get better pictures than with my phone or whatever because mm-hmm. um, I'm doing action or I want to take better pictures of wildlife or one of those things where you really do need to have a real camera with the, and it's not the camera as much as it's the the lenses and the focusing systems, right? It's the, mm-hmm. it's the system, it's the accessories that you can put around it. Sometimes the answer is just, well, I want to get better pictures than with my phone, the quality kind of thing. And that's sort of a gray area. I think you and I would both agree that there's a definite quality difference between images that we've captured with our phones and those with our um, mirrorless and DSLR cameras in the past, um, that comes that relates to, um, you know, pixel quality, the sharpness, um, being able to process images, that kind of stuff. But we've also talked about times where the phone could actually be better, right? Well, and and you want to, I think, figure out early on if the problems that they're having are really due to what they're using to make those photos or if the problem is composition creativity things like that Mm -hmm. you know so sometimes it's helpful just to see some of their recent results you know what have they got what do they like or not like about it i mean if they say hey look i want to be able to take pictures of wildlife and i want to be able to enlarge them to put on the wall at my house or wherever your apartment well then yeah i mean it makes sense uh i just like to point out all the caveats first you know and make it really clear and the caveats to having a a camera system is that you're going to have to carry this thing around (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. it's not it's not the thing that you can put in your pocket although there are certainly some smaller options but even those aren't tiny you're not going to put them in a coat pocket necessarily Um, you're going to spend a certain amount of money Uh, there's a financial component and then there's the um, 
the amount that you're willing to work and put in the effort with some level of processing. Because if you don't want to process your images, you might get, or if you all you want to do is sort of push the button and have straight out of the camera be your result, I think you could be pretty disappointed compared to your phone these days. That's that's one of the problems. And all the fancy JPEG settings in the world um, on cameras these days really still don't approach what phones are doing. So there is a hurdle that you have to get past. Mm-hmm. And the way to get past it really is post-processing. Unless well, someone's tastes really line up perfectly with just right. out-of-the-camera JPEGs. You, you have to be willing to, to say there is going to be some effort and it doesn't have to be like hard work but there is going to be some yeah sub supplemental effort required to get the most out of those photos that you do and one one really interesting thing and we had talked about it several months ago when we talked about iPhones and and you know how great they are or, and you know all the phones are, are really good especially mm-hmm. the higher end ones with multiple multiple camera lenses but the computational processing piece isn't well uh, you would never know that it was there um, until I started shooting raw format DNGs on my iPhone. And I think we both have the iPhone 13 Pro, right, mm-hmm. Rick? So we, it's, do. we just don't have the most recent one. No. Someday. Um, but if you bring those images into Lightroom, which can read those files and has the Apple's Pro Raw camera profile, and you can do this on your phone if you have Lightroom on your the app on your on your phone. You can bring those photos in. And what I did was I took a, a photo and it was a very backlit picture of me. And uh, this was in, in Mexico on vacation. And I'm in a tunnel and there's Mayan temple, right? And mm-hmm. I was in full shade. I was in the tunnel, and behind me was back, kind of backlit. Mm-hmm. And when the camera came out of the phone, it looked outstanding. It was, like, surprisingly good. And I knew mm-hmm. from my experience, and you would have known from your experience, there's no way that image would come out of the camera, any camera, not a phone, looking like that without some computational right. processing. So if you go into Lightroom, you can take that profile amount slider and dial it down to zero. And when you do that, the image transforms into that backlit, your subject is dark uh, image that would really be what you would see coming out of the camera. Mm -hmm. And it was an absolute eye-opening thing. And so to be able to show a potential, your friend or whoever, hey, this is the picture with the phone, but if you had taken it with a real camera, this is what you would have gotten had you not then spent some time processing. Yeah. So yeah, if instant gratification a... and being able to upload images that look great from a from a camera, um, you know, because you say, "Oh, I'm going to put them on my laptop or on my, I'm going to download them to my tablet or iPad, whatever," they're not going to look as good <laughs> no. without you doing some significant work. Yeah. Now, if someone is, you know, gets through that stage and they, they really are interested in a serious camera, personally, what I will do is push them strongly in the direction of mirrorless. Yes. You know, the, the remaining DSLRs out there can be quite inexpensive and, and they're great deals for image quality. But I'm very convinced that 
it's a dead end solution longer term. Yes. And so I'm doing someone a favor by pushing them to what are typically slightly more expensive well, wireless ones. But then I also usually recommend they stick to just one lens starting out mm-hmm. and not so, complicate things. Too so much. here's an interesting conversation that will often come up. Mm-hmm. So you've got them to the point where I'm looking at cameras. And so here's some that are really inexpensive. And of course, they pull them up They're, you know, maybe browsing on Amazon or B&H or wherever they're looking at, right? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, they're seeing all the DSLRs. Here's a, you know, older model, low-end DSLR, and you can get it for $4.99 with a lens. Mm-hmm. This is great. Budget is something that people consider. Yes. And so when you, you know, because I know my preference would be to talk about mirrorless, and I know yours is too, but like, what are some of the things that you would say to that person who's seeing the price tags on the DSLRs and you need to sort of steer them away from that unless money is truly their only, uh, uh, you know, their budget is truly the the restrictive factor, Even limiting factor. Unless it was incredibly restricted, I would first try to steer them to used mirrorless rather than brand new cheaper DSLR. So I would go through that mm-hmm. step first, personally. And and the discussion I would have with them is, yeah, it's cheaper, but there's a higher likelihood that you're going to get frustrated um, because of some of the restrictions with DSLRs and stop using it. Whereas if you go the mirrorless route, you're, the chances are good that you're probably going to enjoy it, at least for more general photography, uh, a bit more, and it's going to have a longer lifespan. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was something that I'll bring up with, with prospective uh, new users. Mm-hmm. The difference in, it's not about the size, although that, that is certainly a nice thing, um, but I'll, I'll explain to someone that First of all, all of the new R&D, all of the updates are all going into mirrorless cameras. Yep. Second of all, mirrorless cameras can, can give you, depending on which ones you get, features that literally do not exist in the DSLRs. Things like the face detection, the true eye detection subject stuff. The DSLRs sort of can do a little bit of that in a very limited way but not like what we see and certainly no, none of these AI based features. And that's not in every camera, but if you want to buy into a system that has those and eventually maybe upgrade to a camera that has those fancier, uh, you know, animal detection or mm-hmm. vehicle detection kinds of s- settings, um, that's where it's at. And the lenses are so much better. I mean, it's, it's just being able to say, but I think, I think we both enjoy the mirrorless experience of shooting by having visual feedback in the viewfinder that is just impossible to get in a DSLR, like and a I, histogram or, or or just, you know, that kind I of stuff. And I think that's a big deal for someone starting out, because never mind histograms, just even seeing the, the visual appearance of the image in the viewfinder is sometimes enough. Mm-hmm. Or seeing that it's wildly off, too, and, which you may not pick up on with a DSLR right. until after you've taken the photo. 
previewing exposure, previewing yeah. white balance type things. These are things that a camera with a decent TVF is going to give you. A DSLR will never give you. Yeah. So, so that was certainly something that that comes to mind. Yeah. Now I would want to make them aware of the accessories that they'll need to get too. You know, mm -hmm. like at least an extra battery. Right. Cards, strap, some sort of case or whatever, and then the whole software. Thing. So they're they're going to be extra costs beyond what right. they're seeing just looking at the ad, you know, at Amazon or Best Buy or local camera store. Right, and, and you know, another decision also comes into, and I think this is important because you would need that with any any camera you get. But then the the question should go, okay, so you've accepted the fact that you're going to be spending more time with your photos that you have to come out of your camera. And we're going to look at mirrorless cameras potentially, because that's where the mm -hmm. technology is going. That's the, where the, where the um, industry is. But then where do you go from there? You know, cause, cause you've got a lot of choices that we talk about, you know, you've got, and, and, and price certainly starts to factor in. And that's where I think where you have to start looking at, the system as a whole, what's the ecosystem, you know, what's available to you. Um, and uh, what kind of photography they might want to be doing, maybe not today, but in the future. So this question mm -hmm. came up recently. It was, um, okay, we're going to look at mirrorless. Well, hey, how about this little, um, this little camera? And it was the Nikon Z50 popped up, which mm -hmm. is a camera that we both like. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I said, um well great camera but you're literally going to be constrained to two lenses unless you want to spend big bucks on lenses that are much larger which would be the z mount full frame lenses because the ecosystem as we've talked about around a lot of these manufacturers dx format cameras which are nice little cameras <laughs> the ecosystem around them is practically non-existent um, in terms of a true lineup that is designed for those cameras. So if small and light is something they want, that's a consideration. You know, if they say, yeah, I really like doing close-up. Maybe I want to buy a macro lens. Well, if you've got a Nikon Z50, the only macro lens you can use right now, other than things with adapters, is that 105 VR, you know, Z lens, which is huge. And tremendously expensive. Well, there's the little fifty. Oh, that's true. There's the fifty. But that's but if they say or I want to take pictures of insects or something, it's yeah, yeah. the best lens. But yeah, yeah that, there's a difference between a close-up lens and a you know, whatever. And, and the fact that, you know, does the camera have things like in-body stabilization? Not all of them do. You know, some of right. them rely on the lens. And so right. so you gotta look at the total lineup and and ask them how do you see yourself using this camera what are you going to be taking photographs of and what are you going to be doing with the photographs when you're done because that that asks questions about how much resolution you you really need because mm -hmm. some of these camera bodies get expensive real fast <laughs> you know they, they certainly can and the lenses around them and i think your point maybe let's start with one lens something like a 24 to 70 or 24 to 105 or 24 yeah. you know an all-purpose kind of for some people that's going to be all they actually need but mm -hmm. they won't know it until they start shooting for a while other right. people and... will want to add a telephoto wide angle but they won't know which one 
really until they start shooting. So, and, you know, one one thing too is is the creative eye and the compositions and these things come into it. And so, usually, when someone's starting out, I'll just tell them, "Don't worry about all the camera settings for now. You know, go ahead and shoot and program auto. Who cares? Yeah." yeah. Just take some photos and see what you like doing. The and one you'll thing... find what, what you gravitate towards. And whether you have a, a good eye for composition, it's not easy yeah. always. One one thing I, I do recommend, though, is that even if they're starting in a workflow where they're going to be just using JPEGs and operating the camera in program mode, and, mm -hmm. and so kind of the simplest thing you can imagine, put the camera in RAW plus JPEG. Because maybe a year down the road, they'll really want to do something a little bit different with those images and won't want to be stuck with the settings that they made when they were brand new to photography. Mm -hmm. So I typically have encouraged that. And usually within a few months, people want to start playing with the raw. Because if you do it right, it's not that much harder. It's just not. No, and raw converters these it. days you know, apply so many of the in-camera settings or starting points that you're no longer, uh, you're no longer struggling with a raw image and, and it just comes out looking like, flat, you know, they, they come out pretty nice mine just do. by default. Yeah, mine you know, do. Mine do right. not come out flat. <laughs> right. Because you, but, but there was a time. looking like the JPEGs pretty much. Right. And, but there was know. a time when that wasn't true. Sure. And, and it's so. A, it's been a while. It's been a, it's been a while, but that is not an issue anymore. And and so, if you're if you're going to be, if you're going to take this the approach that you know what I'm going to have to at least tinker with my photos, even if it's just maybe tinkering with the white balance or just opening up the shadows and adjusting color and contrast, there is no difference in the tool sets that you have now between working on a JPEG and working on a RAW. Right. But the raw is so much better to work on because what'll come out is a better quality image. Yeah. And and I say that full knowing that cameras do a very nice job of producing JPEGs. They do. Yeah. But but you have to worry about so many more underlying settings with the understanding that those are getting baked into your file. If you've got the contrast and saturation cranked way too high or sharpening is overcooked. You're not getting that out after the fact, no matter what software no. you run it through. Now, I think one area where we may differ a little bit on advice has to do mm -hmm. with initial software that that people use. Mm -hmm. It's it's a it's a it's a challenging subject, but I mean, people spend money on cameras and then they really cringe at buying software. I know they just want to put their or getting a subscription. Well, and that's on top of, right? That's yeah. a secondary thing. But even just yeah. saying, I need some software. Can I just open these in my computer first and just look at them mm -hmm. and play around? And to a certain extent, you can. Um, but I think if you go down that path too far using built-in programs, you might find yourself having a really tricky time finding an off-ramp from those programs if you just choose to do something different in the future software-wise. Yeah. I almost universally recommend that new photographers start with the Adobe Lightroom Photoshop subscription. And yes, it's more than they need, 
right off the bat, especially the Photoshop part. Right. You won't this be in presumes Photoshop. that I this presumes that I that I get a sense they really are serious. Um, and it's because when you use something else that's a lot more limited and switch over, you lose your editing that you've done. You've it's just messy. People store things in completely different structures or the or the software itself takes care of that structure and hides the files for it from you. Yeah, yeah. They're just a whole bunch of things. And I, I've seen people pick up Lightroom really quickly, you know, really quickly. So I don't think it's that hard if you're around to help a little bit and, mm -hmm. and to help them get mm -hmm. it configured. And there's so, so many free tutorials out there anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. So if I think they're going to be serious, I push them strongly in the direction of that subscription. Mm -hmm. And would you recommend the subscription model that's the standard photography plan for mm -hmm. the desktop-based catalog, correct? Yes. Not yes. the web-based catalog, the cloud-based. Right. I think, I think. well, I actually think that the Lightroom, because there is a desktop application that will work with Lightroom, what they just call Lightroom now, or what is Lightroom CC, where, mm -hmm. where your files are actually uploaded to the cloud. There's some cool things about that, but I find there's some stuff that's not quite ready for prime time still. It can get messy uh, at times, and you know, you're, you're limited in storage to the terabyte, which is a lot of storage, but not if you're shooting a lot of raw and storing those raws up right. on the cloud. Right. Um, you can always download the, the photos, but I think the Lightroom Classic approach um, has some some advantages in that your your files are always on your computer. Gets a little bit tricky um, with some things, but but it's an option. Yeah, and it's certainly we, what we both use, right? So yeah. The other thing is, I think you you know, presuming this is someone that you know well and are going to be mm -hmm. around, it could be a significant other or you know, a close friend or whatever. I think you want to get into a cycle of talking about their images and what they like, what they dislike about ones that they've taken, and then, you know, go through methods of helping them resolve those problems or, you know, giving them praise and credit for what they've done well, you know, especially when it's, you know, great compositions or creative ideas, because those are some of the harder things in photography. Mm -hmm. So I, I think you definitely want to, ultimately be spending at least as much time if not more on the compositional ideas the mm -hmm. creative ideas rather than the technical and mechanical things right and those come with time and those yeah. those you can yeah. pick up most people pick up the quote technical stuff pretty easily i know that the cameras can be incredibly complex but it's pretty easy to come up with a set of settings that are you know, functional and, mm -hmm. and work for the subject at hand. Um, so when they say, I want to go take pictures of wildlife, you're not using the wrong autofocus settings, you know, you right. switch a few things, but th that can be learned. And once it's set in your camera, it's pretty much there. Um, so, I mean, the cameras do just a great job of exposing images properly in, in challenging conditions compared to what right. we were used to. So, yeah. but I, I, I think it's, it's having the eyes open, you know, and, and really making it clear that you're not going to get an image out of your camera that at face value looks better than what came out of your phone. It can and many times will, but that requires your creative um, 
and your patience with working with things in post. Yeah. One last thing for me on the topic, and it just a matter, it's indicative of how things have changed. You know, like 20 years ago, or even 10 years ago, if I was having a conversation like this with someone who said they were interested in getting into serious photography, in the past, I would say 80 to 90% of the time, that is what they would do. They would then go out and get a camera and at least one lens and, you know, start off that way. These days, what I find is when I have that conversation, two-thirds to three-quarters of the time, the answer is, I think I'm just going to stick with my phone. Yeah. It's it's an interesting change, but that's what I've found. And that's that's a valid thing. And, and you're helping them, you know, sort out that answer. Yeah, it's it's not trying to discourage someone from doing this hobby, which we're both passionate about. It's about making sure that they make an, a, their decision with in in a based in reality. Yeah, what they eyes wide do. open. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it's 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 really important. Yeah, this is this is kind of funny, but uh, anecdotally, you know, we're talking about the phones mm-hmm. and I mean because hey, if you ever had an early camera with a phone on it i mean there was a time where i would just refuse to buy cameras with a phone because they were pictures were so awful it was like i'm not ever going to need to take pictures well, why would i want this right mm-hmm. and things have come a long way since those those early phones with cameras but i read an article in the new york times about two weeks ago or so about how gen z is gravitating towards early point and shoot digital cameras that have basically no features with the reason being that it's a different look i.e the straight out of the camera jpegs with no processing right and they actually found it refreshing that their cameras were not connected to the internet that they had to do something to download the photos i will never understand anybody uh um you know ever but it's like you know (laughs) that's an interesting comment but but it (laughs) i I will never understand how things go like because i treat photography in a certain way but it's that snapshot style and i guess that if that's what you want it's pretty easy to do um but why you'd want a camera from the mid 2000 you know 2008 you know kind of 2010 or from the 1970s or 80s well, Gen, Gen I'm talking Z about, is yeah, I'm talking about digital film though. photography, though, too. Right. That's I think that, there's a lo-fi way. component that appeals to certain yes uh, things, and and it's something we talked about before. Yeah. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Anyway, it's it's just all fun. right. But again, these are all good questions to ask yourself and ask your. Uh, you know, when someone asks you, because it's a difficult answer. There's so many cameras out there. There's so many different things. Um, and narrowing it down, you know, against potential budgetary constraints or whatever, it's not easy. Yeah. But we know our listeners get these questions, and maybe someone will be listening to this that's the one asking those questions. And this is, hopefully this has helped. And we're so. always happy to get suggestions for follow-on topics related to this as well or something completely different. 
So you can tell them where to post this. Yep. You just go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash image doctors, and there you can send us a message or just leave us a post, do whatever you want. Both work. Uh, and uh, we will uh, do our best to respond in a timely manner. All right. So until next time, happy shooting. All right. Bye-bye.